Well, I want to talk to you about what it is to be a healthy disciple. I believe that prayer, now watch this, not all prayer, but proper prayer will bring you into a healthy relationship with God. You know, I've, I've heard this phrase all my life. Well, you know, uh, so-and-so is really sincere. Well, sincerity is great as long as it's coupled with reality and truth. Correct? So let's say I go take my little Seveler kayak and I determine that I'm going to start from Charleston and I'm going to paddle clear over to Japan. I may be sincere, but I'll probably be sincerely et by a shark. <laughs> so sincerity alone isn't what makes a difference. But there is uh, a realm of people who are emotionally or spiritually sick if they call on God, God begins to heal their spiritual breaking and their emotional breaking. I want to pause by saying this. I, I am one of these that really believes that salvation is an immediate gift. When I call on the name of the Lord, all of my sins are immediately forgiven, and yet I still have terrible, stinking thinking. How many of you found out you got saved and bummer you wanted to return it because God didn't just change everything immediately? It's like, you said that I would be a brand new creation. That's called, you got the title deed. But the Bible tells us that with meekness, we're to eat the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. So our souls or our emotions, the soul is that emotional. That's the invisible part of who I am is my soul. My soul interacts with the Holy Spirit who's indwelling me through the new birth. The, the, and, and, and as I mellow out and understand the love of the Father and understand that I'm called to be the servant, not the order giver, when I find out he's on the throne and not me, I find out that incrementally my mind is being renewed, my spiritual and my emotions are getting more stable. So I get nervous with highly religious people whose life is in a wreck and they're emotionally up and down, but they can sure look spiritual. Spirituality does not impress me. Stability greatly impresses me. The ability to say, hey, I have lifted my hand to Jesus, and then if everything seems to go seven ways to Wednesday, I'm not giving up because I understand God loves me. God's for me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. Those are the people that are in my counsel. Those are the people that I call for help and advice. I don't call spiritual people that are up and down like some kind of a uh, $59.99 one-day special roller coaster park. My spiritual life, I want it fixed on people who know the living God. I came ready to preach, obviously. I even ha haven't even had real meat. I even had tofu fake meat. Actually, Sofrita's at Chipotle is Daniel Fast friendly, and I'm just jonesing to go there and eat that now. Sofrita's is fake meat made of soy. Anyway, for you non-fasters, you're just sinners anyway. You're just pigging out on everything. Well, 
some of us are being really noble. Well, not so noble. My heart stirred up. Is it okay to understand that you can't really be spiritually sound if you're emotionally a wreck? There are people that aren't even saved that are emotionally healthy, at least in worldview and things. But I will tell you this, that, that the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, when, when you're working in community and you're, you're seeking God for change and the Word of God is renewing your mind, you will stabilize. You will hunker down. You will take your jet pack off and you will be instructed by God. Right now, it's scary, I think. That's why I like back doors in the church in case I got a scoot. I can bolt for the outside door and just hope the gate's not, not blocked or head for the side exit. Because, you know, sometimes you preach and people are looking like, huh? I'm miserable, but I'm a really good Christian. You, you, you meet with the Father and you haven't heard affirmation? You haven't heard you're forgiven? You're loved. We have a society that's filled with brokenhearted people. One of the deepest wounds in our culture, and I see it on the streets of Medford, because this thing, when, when, when we burned the bras back in 60 and everybody got sexual and, and, and all of a sudden we're going to live in communes and there was going to be no borders and no rules and none of this and none of that, we, we, we began to destroy the family. And what you see are so many young guys weighing about 120 pounds with a sweatshirt that's two sizes too big, and they're with their other fatherless friend, and they're walking the streets trying to look like, trying to look like they're bad. And I try to, to, you know, my heart goes out to him, son, you're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling anybody. There's a sign that you don't have self-confidence. You, you... You were raised in a, in a fatherless situation and you're trying to look like you got it going together. And, 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 and trying to help kids like that sometimes, they, their, their new code of ethic is no one's going to tell me anything. And that's completely opposite of what, what healthy emotional people that are raised by a dad that loves them is. So the, this whole father thing, because the last scriptures that were written in the Old Testament and there was going to be 400 years of silence. The last will and testament of God through the prophet Malachi are a couple of verses in Malachi chapter 4 that says this, that, that in the last days God's going to send Elijah. And Elijah is going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. And, and, and so many people say, I, I don't understand, what's this magic with joy? What's this joy spirit? What, what do we encounter when we come to joy? Joy comes when it's well with your soul. Joy comes when, when we are under the guidance of a responsible parent. Joy comes when you quit working your own hustle. And you begin to be integrated with the love of the Father, the direction of the Father. I'm really excited about what God does in this church. I love seeing people that come in and they didn't have a dad 
And the brothers in the church began to affirm him. Began to tell him, shut up and sit down and take your jet pack off. Quit trying to show off and act like you're something you ain't. You don't get something because you fake it. You get something because you work. You get something because you're, you actually, actually pass the test. Our society's trying to put brownies on pages where people didn't do squat, but they want to be affirmed. Your affirmation comes when you labor and you sweat. And even though it may be that you, you fought a, a game and, 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 and you, you failed, you fell short of winning the game, and you come back in the locker room and that coach who's a surrogate dad tells you, I'm so proud of this team. You guys fought with all your heart. And yeah, we didn't win the prize today, but you are good men. I remember years ago, I was coaching soccer and Gino was an amazing scorer. And, uh, and, and I was wanting to work uh, a thing about him because he was quick and he would sometimes overrun the ball when, when he could, you know, if he'd slow down just a bit, he'd just launch it into the net. And so he was about 12 years old. And I said, Gino, come here. I said, I want you to score six goals today. And so, you know, this stuff of, you know, missing the shot, it's got to stop. You got to score goals. And uh, it was a rainy day. And here's this kid slogging through the puddles. And he was up to three or four, and, we, and I literally had to sub him out to put another kid in. And he came to the sideline with tears in his eyes. He said, Dad, if you'd have left me in, I could have got the last two goals. I said, we had to sub you out. You did a marvelous game. I want to tell you something, that there's such a phony view of what a father is today. A father is like a perverted Santa Claus that never, ever, and, 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 and media mocks fatherhood. Yeah. That, that every father that's shown on sitcoms, he's dumb, he's irrelevant, mom manipulates him, the kids manipulate him, he's not leading the home, he's not the shot caller. I guess he just works and maybe contributes. Now that you give us the check, go in the other room and watch cable. But that's not what God calls men to be. That's not what God calls a father to be. And so there are wounds in our culture because this sexual revolution where people began to have sex without consequence, except babies are a consequence, that are number one consequence I think we need to deal with in our life is our children. Well, I know I'm all alone. Maybe. I say the number one consequence is if you're there at the insemination, you need to stay there and love your babies. Never give up on them. Never, never lose the high ground of leading. And there are wounds, father wounds. For young men, sometimes an independence and unteachableness, the fakeness is the, is the symptoms of it. For young women, oftentimes it's uh, immorality, trying to find affirmation through the arms of another man. I want, I want our daughters to be so affirmed. You're beautiful and you have character. And if you don't have character, it doesn't matter how beautiful you are, you're ugly. I know that I sound like a dinosaur, but at least I'm one that existed, the asteroid fallings or whatever. 
Many individuals never get any traction in life because of the rejection of a father or pain that an imperfect father caused by words or actions. They get locked in a loop of trying to prove their worth to others by overachieving or being showy, to draw attention to themselves to heal that wound. Jesus came to heal all wounds. He especially came to deliver us from that so that we can be emotionally and spiritually healthy as children of God. My, my father suffered deeply from depression. The beautiful thing that happened was about eight years before he passed, he got really delivered from it. But it, it, was, it was difficult growing up to see a father who was so struggling to find his own identity. And it touched all of us six kids that, that, that lived. We had a, a brother that died at six months old. And so the six of us, each of us had to process that that journey that dad was on and, and, and we all faced that depression monster and we acted out in different ways. For me, I began to find that number one, I think all of us love dad with all of our heart. We, we, didn't, we did, weren't bitter because he brought everything he could bring to the table. But how many of you know we live in a fallen world and even when we bring the best to the table, we're still going to fall short compared to Father God. Okay? So for me, what happened was uh, when I got turned on to Jesus, I, I went to, to a concert by a guy named Bob Cullen, and uh, he began, it was, uh, he was, had produced an album called Welcome to the Family, and it was a beautiful album, and he was singing all these songs of the Father, you know, the Father's love and Father, 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 and I remember I had a little Volkswagen, I had a girl from uh, Harry and David, we worked Harry and David, I didn't hardly know her, I just knew she's a Christian, so we'd gone to the concert, and so I... I bought the album, and I couldn't get her out of the car fast enough. I was living in Talent, and she lived in Medford, and she's like, see ya. And I, and I went home to where I lived in Talent, and I played this, this disc, and I cried all night. And I didn't know what was going on until, you know, 35 years later or so, Jake gives me a copy, a digital copy of that album because I'd lost it. And when I was listening to the album again, I began to cry again. And the Lord said, that's where I came to heal that wounded part of you. And I began to find God was the daddy that listens to me all the time. He's got the broadest shoulders in the world. He'll never fail us. He'll never abandon us. He, he, he is the epitome of emotional health. And, 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 and so that explains a lot of what we're trying to do at Joy. We're trying to get the fathers to pay attention to your kids, love them. And don't let the world dictate to you how you're to love your kids. Well, you know, if you really love your kids, you'll never spank them. Well, the Bible said spank their tail. I'm not talking about abusing them. I'm not talking about hanging them up off a door and beating them with a belt. I'm talking about proper, make a show, all you're trying to do is to get that child to say, there is a greater than me. I'm not God in my own life. And it can be like, Rah, you're going to get it, pop, pop. Don't let the world dictate to you. Because the world's done a great job of making emotionally healthy people. <laughs> not. But the Bible does. So that was my epiphany where God began to take me on that journey of emotional health. Now, where did this father wound uh, thing come from? It came from the first garden party in the universe. You see, when, when God created Adam and Eve, 
he had, he had done a, a naughty thing, which he intended to do, is because Jesus said, I saw Satan fall as lightning out of heaven. And where did he fall to? The earth. At which point, God creates Adam and Eve, and he was a hunk. He looked a lot like my son-in-law, Riley. Uh, if you've seen Riley, you've seen Adam. You've seen the perfect man. Uh, at least that's what Natalie told me to preach today. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that Adam had a six-pack. Then it, when Adam matured like me, he has a whole case. And, uh, and uh, so uh, he, he was a wonderful-looking man, and, and Eve was a doll. And they were on an extended uh, honeymoon. They had the wealth of the world. They had, they had a, an earth that didn't have thorns and thistles. And they had direct relationship with God. I just want to hang with you. Well, that good feeling got interrupted by the snake. The snake comes to always make you distrust father or father people in your life. So that, you know, you need to start gossiping about the boss. You need to start, you know, we need to eat the preacher every night. You know, well, Pastor Steve's not perfect. Duh. You know that you and I, we need heroes in our life. We need respect. We need to pray for those in government. I religiously prayed for Michelle and Barack Obama and their children throughout the two terms. I, I prayed for Bill and Hillary Clinton. I prayed for Don and Melania Trump. How many of you know there's a spirit that it's, an, it's a father wound spirit that you got to tear down everybody that could actually be a role model for you and your children? See, randomness and anarchy is the ultimate of being fatherless. And so the devil came in and he began to create a conflict in, the, in their mind, which was the beginning of the fall and led to willful sin, which defiled them in every area of their existence. This is called the doctrine of the depravity of man. That when man fell, we didn't all become totally depraved or else we'd need to watch out for any sharp objects with each other. We'd stab each other immediately. You're, we're not totally depraved, but total depravity means that every aspect of human condition got smudged by the fall. And so all of a sudden you begin to see this bloom like an algae bloom in a lake. You begin to see a bloom once the motives of God were brought into, into question. And, and, and all that God was saying is, he's saying, I have the right to control your, your attitudes and your actions. I have the right to tell you what tree to eat from and what tree not to. And now there's such a spirit in America. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know? And so we see, we see this, just this battle. Where, where today there's like over 60 designations for sexual preference. I don't know about you, but in the old days, you, you looked at the baby when it's born and you said, girl or boy. Now it doesn't matter what you start out at. So we're going to choose because, see, no one can tell us. And God said, no. If you're going to be in my garden, there's going to be conditions. There's rules. There's right behavior. There's wrong behavior. And so they said, you know, no. We, we actually buy into what the devil's saying. And then they were evicted from Eden. And they built a wall. And to come back through the wall to enter back into Eden, you've got to go through Jesus, who's the gate. Okay? 
And we quickly saw immorality, murder, death, sickness, division, and all forms of destruction come as a consequence of sin. One of the consequences of Satan's work was accomplished by the corrupting of their father image. Jesus came to heal the woundedness of mankind in their trust of Father God. Jesus came to reveal the Father and thereby heal the Father wound. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, he said, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. If you interact with Jesus, okay, there, there will come a time when your prayers will not all be to Jesus. You'll begin to punctuate your prayers like our Father, which is in heaven. Yeah. And, and Jesus uh, reiterates that when you see him, you see the Father because he came to reveal who the Father really is, to take away that wounding that was in mankind's mind, that God's out to just be a killjoy and, and take away your, your good time. John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and, you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus' teachings in uh, Matthew 6 show what healthy spiritual action and unhealthy spiritual action looks like in the realm of giving uh, and prayer or charity giving, which is different than like giving your tithes in church. Uh, almsgiving is giving to the poor. It's a unique type of giving. And, uh, and it was Natalie that I was working with Natalie and uh, looking at some uh, sermon topics and things. And, and, and uh, I'd mentioned, I think, this portion of scripture. And she said, Dad, those, those things the Pharisees did, they show a father wound. And I go, oh, you just, you just set the, the ball up on the tee for me. And so thank you, thank you, Natalie, married to the perfect Adam. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and following says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. If you don't remember anything else, the watershed of whether you're fake religion or you're, you're true blue is who's your audience? If your audience is man, okay, you're in the Pharisee category. doesn't matter what your slick hustle looks like. If you do what you do to be seen by God, you're, 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 you're knowing the Father. And so, so Jesus tags it. He said, take heed that you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, here's the healthy way, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. We're going to find out that the Father loves you. The Father chose you. The fe- the, but the Father isn't a showboat Father. I'm, I'm going I'm to touch and tag on something. You won't, t- you won't see any posting from me where I show the deepest part of my love to any of my children. I love all of you very dearly. That isn't your business. 
Well, I don't see Pastor Steve like saying how magnificent his wife is because that ain't your business. That's emotionally unhealthy people that do that. That's fatherless people. That people that weren't raised by anybody. Hello? There's holy things. My marriage is a holy thing. I've loved this girl for a lot of years. Over five. <laughs> plus about 32 or three years. But I'm not going to put on there, I married the hottie of all hotties and she's just a hottie, hottie, hottie. Am I inviting competition? Hello? It's not healthy. I love my babies. Okay? Grandchildren's a different rule. You've got to put those on Facebook. <laughs> but the tenderness and the affirmation, that's when we're alone. That's when sometimes that affirmation comes because you could get those last two goals. You've seen someone leave it on the field. But when you have a daughter that's brokenhearted and 17 years old and wondering what's ahead of her, and you got to look at her and say, Natalie, this is a cross experience, and all I can advise you is you have to die. And watching her turn and do that, die to herself, I want to tell you something. The Hebrews have this word for it. It's called naches. It's family pride. My family, they give me naches. Your walk with God gives me naches. I'm not going to post it. Why cheapen it? When I tell you, Nick, I'm proud of you, we'll do it in the secret place. Nicolaus, I'm proud of you and Jenny. Come on now, this is a lot, this is pretty deep stuff. We live in a crazy world. And you're going to find the Father doesn't want you to play a big stunt. Lord, watch this, I'm going to get a big thing going for you. Lord, I'm going to do all this and then, then you can reward me because I'm, I'm letting everybody know how great I am. No, just chill out. We don't need to how, hear how many hours you're logging in prayer unless it's for edification and helping to encourage us. We don't need to know that you've been fasting. This is your second month and you haven't even been drinking water. Come on now. How many of you have been trying to fast and we're the most worst fasters in the world? I think Daniel fasted on, uh, you know, special ice cream bars, didn't he? The fast is about us saying, Lord, we're just here trying to seek your face. It isn't us being able to affirm. We're not going to hunger strike you into doing anything. We just want to draw closer to you. And so when you do a charitable deed, you don't blow the trumpet. Doo -doo -doo. This poor struggling person needs money. And I've got money. And here, you fallen person who's so embarrassed by your need. I just wanted to privately yell in public that I'm giving you money. Sign of a father wound. Sign of a father wound. I'm not talking about the person who's needy. I'm talking about the person that would do that kind of a thing. And then we move into prayer, and Jesus talks about that. And he said, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. 
For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. That they may be, what? Seen by men. Got it? Who's your audience? Man or God? Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I can, tell by, I can tell by what comes out of your mouth. I can tell by what you say that God told you. Whether you heard from God or you're just hearing from your own head. How many of you know that's the danger with private prayer is you can just lie to yourself in there. But it's in the risky private prayer that God wants to meet you in the secret place because he wants to make you healthy there. And so if everything that comes out of your private prayer is all ego stuff and man stuff, you're probably not meeting with the Father. Because what you'll probably find if you meet with the Father is I'm so proud of you and I've got some challenges up ahead where you may have to change and you may have to die to yourself. Someone comes out of their prayer closet like, Pastor Steve, God's really been speaking to me. I've got to be nicer to my husband or my wife. I'm going, yeah, it sounds like the Holy Ghost I hear. That sounds like a spiritual prayer. But if you come out of there with this, you know, blazing eyes like, the world needs a revelation of me. Any holes in your hands? I like to see people come out of the prayer closet and they can't stop from crying about the hurting things that go on in our society. It sounds like my dad. It's why we beg people to get it together. Don't just divorce. Get it together, girl. Get it together, guy. Don't hurt your babies. Don't pass bad behavior down. Die to yourself and come out in the likeness of Jesus and look like the Father and walk in the right way. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. When you begin to know the Father, you just go, oh, by the way, you know, you know what I need. I heard a, a guy named Bill J, B.J. Wilhite, and he was a tremendous uh, trainer on prayer. He said, I never take time to ask for personal needs from God. I go, B.J., I respect that. I will, though. <laughs> he just, when it comes to personal needs, he goes, Lord, you know what I need. And so what's he do in his prayer? He prays for nations. He prays for leadership. He prays for conversions. Doesn't take time for himself. But for those of us who do take time to pray for themselves, and I'm the first one in line, I know one thing. He already knows the need. And this isn't prayer to call everybody. If I'm financially needing, not to call my wealthy friends. Well, you know, we're uh, just going to get by. I know that they're going to foreclose on the church, but, but uh, you know, the Lord will prevail. You know, that's, that's people praying. That's trying to let your need be known to somebody that might be able to help you. But the kind of prayer that's healthy prayer is, Lord, I'm not even going to let anybody know. George Mueller 
prayed in hundreds of thousands of dollars for his orphanages to the point they'd be preparing dinner without food. And he said, Lord, you told me to raise up these kids. They're all here. And then suddenly a knock on the door. Here, we have some meals for all of you. The Pharisees' actions revealed a father wound that was being medicated by doing their good deeds to be seen by men. They gave to be seen by men. They prayed to be seen by men. They believed that God was moved by repetition and not relationship. Healthy prayer begins by receiving the love and affirmation of the Father. If God has called you at all, he's called you completely. Which is to say, when I asked Miss Kafaro to marry me, I didn't have in mind abuse. My thought was if she would be my wife, I would be a proper husband and I would love her and nourish her and be tender to her. When we sought to have children, we didn't have any of our children with the idea that they are just like appendages which were to be outsourced to somebody else, but we felt that that was a relationship that was covenantal and we needed to care for them all along the way. When God has called any of you to salvation, he is taking the full responsibility to give you the best of the kingdom. You're not called to be a secondary citizen. You're not called just because you were the last one that slid in on the group policy. No, you were called by name and therefore only with that affirmation of the Father can you really get emotionally healthy. Kim knows that if she keeps saying amen, I'll finish. Some of you are not aware of it. I'm going to skip some things and just get down to the antidote to your father wound is knowing your love to the father. John chapter 16 verses 26 and 27 it says, In that day you will ask in my name and I do not say to you that I shall love the father or that I shall pray the father for you. For the father himself loves you because you have loved me. And have believed that I came forth from God. We're going to repeat this. For the Father himself loves you. Now I've been bold today. I jumped in like a bouncer with a baseball bat. But I'm not apologetic. Because one of the things that's a strong spirit. That's all over Rogue Valley is a religious spirit. There's a big stinking religious spirit. And and. How do, you, how do you know if maybe you've been engaged with it? One of the signs of religious spirit is it nauseates your family and nobody wants to serve the Lord. Kids aren't impressed with fake aloo. Kids are impressed with real. I watch my mom and dad go through hard times and they do not accuse God nor charge him foolishly. Now this is again a harsh statement because it's easy, religion's easy to catch. But true faith takes trust. And maybe if you've been involved with a lot of religion and none of your kids want to serve that God because that God's not even much. 
There's something about families where everybody's really born again. There's no reason that any of us go serve the devil. No, not ever, never. So the, one of the bigger spirits that I fear is the religious spirit. And the religious spirit comes because we haven't really gone to the foot of the cross, looked up and realized that that corpse on the cross is me. That's my sin. And then that's Jesus hanging on the cross. And way up in the heavens is a Father God convulsing in tears at the brokenness of his son for the brokenness of the people that were stranded. And only when you have an integrated view of the Trinity, where God is not the mean, bad God of the Old Testament, he's the loving Father that so loved the world he gave. And that all of a sudden Jesus said, I really, I would just like the authority to be through me, but I want to lead you to Dad. I want you to walk in there with some courage and face Dad. Today, I believe that many, even Christians, are going to receive some healing of father wounds. Many of us, our prayer is really stinted because we're still holding God hostage for what we saw around us. God, if you'd have been really there, why did my husband leave me? We live in a world where everybody else's behavior is not dictated. For God to have prevented every bit of sorrow and hurt to come to you, he'd have had to have taken away you and their free will, and then you'd be mad about that. But in this life that has road rash and problems, I found there's a father that's leaning over the fence. And when I come in the rain and say, I could have got those last two goals, that dad's saying, I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. Today, the Lord is here to lift up your head and say, I'm so proud of you. How many will let God love on you a little bit? I'm so proud of you. You're standing up in the middle of the world that denies Jesus, that's actually becoming more violent against Christians. Persecution against Christians is mounting in America. And many of us stood up and we said, we've stated our case. We can do no other. The Lord says, I'm proud of you because that you did in the secret place. We need to shout in our mind over and over for the Father himself loves you. Let's all stand up. Say this with me. For the Father himself loves 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 me. The Father loves me. The Father loves me. <laughs> oh my. If you're here today and as I've just been saying this teaching and you go, man, I... 
I'm, I'm, I'm part of that. I, I, I need healing. That father wound, whether it was from what I saw from a real absent father, non-father, or just what the devil lied to me about. If, if you're here and say, I, I, I need healing from it, I'd like you to step out of your chair right now. We're going to say a word of prayer. How many think it's okay to actually do prayer in church? And If you're here and you say, you know, Pastor Steve, I, 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 I sometimes show off. I'm, I'm, I'm caring about what man says. And I sometimes forget to play to the audience of one where it really matters. Step out of your chair. I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, we have the most emotional, healthy church in the West. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe there's a number of people here just dealing with those things of father wounding. Hallelujah. 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 Which is kind of interesting because men are the hardest to admit it. Guys are like, no, I'm okay. Well, there's healing that comes in our heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we pray your blessing on each one, Father. Lord, take away that father wound, Lord. Lord, we receive you. We receive your power. We receive your grace, Lord. Jesus, come. Lord, right now I pray that you would touch each person here and any effect of the father wound, whether it's just a lie of Satan. Sometimes people run away from a father that was really good, but they're going through a rebellious phase and they're buying into the voice of the deceiver. I pray a healing for all of us here, especially these that have come. Lord, those things that where people were wounded by words from a father or a father figure, Lord, I pray that you would come in and you would bring the balm of Gilead. You would heal us emotionally, heal us spiritually, that we might walk in your glory. Thank you, Father. Lord, I speak peace upon each person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before we leave, I'd like everyone to close your eyes and bow your head. The Bible tells us that God being our Father is not just an automatic thing. When, when, when you are born, just physically born, you're born as a human. But you must be born again to be a child of God. All humans were initiated by God's creative power, but only born-again Christians are brought into the family of God. So you, it's possible to be, a, 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 be in the family of humanity, but not in the family of God. And so today, and just like every other week, I think last week five people responded to receive Jesus as their Lord and to become a Christian. I'd like us to bow our heads and if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to be a part of that loving family of God. I want my affirmation to come from God. I want to be someone that trusts in God more than trusts in man. 
I want to know God and, and, and I need him today. I want to be saved. I want to be delivered from sin. Raise your hand and so I can see some. See a hand right here? I see a hand in the back. Okay. So I, what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer and I'm going to get you out of here. I don't mean to keep you all afternoon. But as we pray, we're going to pray what we call the sinner's prayer. It's just a prayer which we all pray together that's saying, God, take away my sin. Make me a part of your family. Let's all pray this right now. Dear Father, I need you, God. I know that I've been born after the flesh. I'm a human. And in the, in the family of mankind. But I want to be in your family. I ask you, dear Father, to forgive me of my sin. To take away my sin. I ask you, God, to make me pure on the inside. Take away all sin, all compromise. I do not blame others, but I am indeed sorry for those things which I've done that grieved you, O oh God. And today, I respond to you, and I say this, if you'll be my God, I'll be your child. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. In Jesus' name, amen.